Welcome and thank you for being a listener of the Dose of Leadership podcast. Currently, we're expanding the conversations beyond just leadership into health, wealth, purpose, spirituality, relationships, and much, much more, because today's leader has to be about all of these areas to lead into the future. Hi, I'm Matt Lilly, and I'm the new host of the previous Dose of Leadership podcast, now called Bright Vibe. I've owned 20 businesses over the last 30 years, and I've studied business, wealth, health, strength, spirituality, you name it, I've studied it, and I've learned that you have to grow in all these areas to be the best well-rounded leader that you can be, not just at office, but also at home. We have an oppressive lineup of speakers coming soon, so please stay tuned to the podcast. Thank you for being a listener and part of our Dose of Leadership community, and now we welcome and are excited to have you be a part of our Bright Vibe podcast community. So Rithu Basim, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you for having me. So how close am I to pronouncing your name? Rithu Basin. Is that close? So my parents are from India yes. and they gave me a name. I, I pronounce it as Rithu. Rithu. But let me tell you. so close though. Okay. You, no, no. But like, I was going to say yeah. to you, there are like, I don't know, close to what, 2 billion people in India right yeah. now. And, and Rithu in India is like Sarah is uh, in Canada or the okay. U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there are people in India who say Ritu the way you said it. So actually you didn't pronounce it incorrectly. You did pronounce it correctly. I I love how you pronounced it and I will accept it. <laughs> well, actually I, I listened just, to you say it and I was just trying to repeat it. So that's all I was doing. I still oh, didn't get it right. So, so I apologize. Well, I mean, I should tell you, Matt, I have all kinds of childhood trauma around the, the pronunciation of oh, my name okay. and like, and like, well, when I was like around the age of six, mm -hmm. Star Wars was like first yeah. created yeah, 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 and yeah. I was tormented for decades <laughs> being called R2-D2. So I'm like, I just so want anything to better it. than that. R2-D2. And, and then the anglicized pronunciation, which I went for, uh, went by for decades, Ritu. Right. As long as it's not R2-D2 and Ritu, I'm good. Okay. All right. And then, and then. So uh, love having you on the show today. Love your energy in, in post or in pre-show. I, you know, I was laughing most of the time. I wish I would have recorded that, but you have it. I think you've got a few. You, so you've got a law degree, you've got an MBA, you're a yoga instructor, you do meditation yes. stuff. So just like everybody else, everybody has a yeah, law degree, yeah, yeah. everybody has an MBA, everybody loves to do yoga. So you got, and, and then I think you have some other uh, credentials and, and stuff yes. behind that. So what do you currently, what's your current focus? I know, but I want our listeners to hear. So what's your, what, what do you currently do? Well, let me, I just want to say one thing. Yes. I, I once had a therapist say to me that <laughs> Ritu, most people take a yoga class. They don't go and then study it because they're so <laughs> interested in it. So right. overachievement is a theme in my life, which yes. I can speak to. So what do I care about or what's um, capturing my heart as yeah. of late? Yeah. Because I do care a lot, although mm -hmm. they're all interrelated. I think the thing that I'm caring about most mm -hmm. as of late is, and I've been thinking a lot about this, the experiences of belonging. Nice. Yeah. And when I say like, how do we feel part of communities? How do we feel part of mm -hmm the families that we live with or are born into with our friends circles, our teams, this society in this moment, during this pivotal moment, how do we experience belonging? That's, that's what's capturing my heart. Nice. And so, and, and, and I appreciate that. It's, I think it's uh, capturing a lot of people's attention and hopefully their hearts. Um, for a living, you're a, 
uh, you have a consulting firm that's diversity and inclusion focused. So you work with corporations, businesses, organizations, is that correct, on inclusion, diversity, how to be more probably open-minded when it comes to um, their systems, but their people, right? Is that that's right. Is that an accurate description of kind of? Yeah, th- that's exactly right. I've been doing this for, well, over 12 years now, and I have worked globally. So I work with global organizations. I've traveled all around the world. Well, pre-COVID, mm-hmm. used to actually physically appear in person and do a, do a lot of speaking and advising on how do, how do we create workplace environments mm-hmm. where as many people as possible can be as much of who they are so that they can experience heightened belonging, so that we're interrupting systemic structural barriers in the workplace, interrupting biases mm-hmm. in how we treat people, so that we're doing a better job at innovating and creating decision-making, but also so that our team members actually feel seen mm-hmm. and respected and valued for who they are. And so that's what I do as it relates to the workplace. Mm-hmm. But I would say, Matt, my message is really it's bigger than that because what do I care most about? Mm-hmm. I care about creating a society globally where we are equitable and we are just, where mm-hmm. as many of us as possible can experience back to what I was saying earlier, belonging. Mm-hmm. And why, why do you care about that? Why is that your uh, passion? What, what, um, what I've found typically from doing this show is that people that have great passion have had great pain. And typically the yeah. thing that they're most passionate about has had the, the, that's where the pain became the catalyst for good instead of, yeah. excuse me, instead of, instead of turning to drugs or alcohol. And sometimes they do turn to drugs, alcohol, other addictions for a while. Right. And then they kind of hit a bottom and then they bounce. Um, uh, I had the, um, oh, the founder of uh, Charity Water on and, you know, he and I were talking about that and he, he went through a period where he just partied all the time and drugs and alcohol and sex and you name it, mm-hmm. he did it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had to get to a point where that just no longer had meaning for him. And then he founded Charity Water and dug all these wells and all these third world countries does beautiful work. Right. Um, but what drove you to want, you know, if, I, if I'm guessing, if you're all about in, inclusivity, then you were probably felt very excluded at some point in your life or very lonely or isolated. So I guess what was, what, what, what drives you or where did that start? Uh, uh, You are very wise when you say that for a lot of people, their pain becomes their passion. I think that's spot on and, or it certainly is for me. Mm -hmm. So in a nutshell, I, I mentioned my parents are from India, my parents immigrated to Canada. So I'm Canadian. You're going to hear the Canadian in my accent when I say things like out and about, out and about in Canada. Mm-hmm. So they immigrated here now uh, over 50 years ago. And I have the quintessential family, like immigrant run family upbringing where my parents mm-hmm. came with very little money. Mm-hmm. And my parents really stood out because this is a long time ago now. Like they came in like the early 70s. They, my father, we belong to the sick faith. And when I say sick faith. Yes. Can I get clarification on this, please? Yeah. Okay. So is it the same thing? And have I just been mispronouncing Sikh? Is Sikh and sick two different things or are they the same thing? And I'm just mispronouncing it. Oh my goodness. Matt, bless your heart. Bless your inclusive heart. (laughs) Hopefully competent heart. So Sikh is the anglicized pronunciation. Okay. and as we are learning to decolonize yeah. language. So uh-huh. so when George Floyd was murdered yeah. uh, back in 2020, yes. it really helped to unlock mm-hmm. a racial justice movement that has 
pushed us to be in a place where we are looking at everything in, in society, including words and yeah. language and yeah, pronunciation. Yeah. Right. And so seek is not the right way to say it. Perfect. Sick, sick <laughs> is the right way to say it. Okay. And you know, my fellow six, we say it wrong. Uh -huh. And we do this because we don't want to make other people uncomfortable in how they pronounce words, but it actually is Sick and sicky or sickism. Mm -hmm. It's not seek or sikhism or okay. sikhi. And then you're spelling that so people at home can or that are listening. How are you spelling that? So sick is spelled S I K H. Perfect. Okay. I am a sick. The same way sick. we would say I am a Christian. I am a Muslim. I am yeah. a sick. And what do what do what do what? Uh, so is it sikhism? Is that yes or so, sikhi? Sikhi. Okay, and so what is that based in, or I guess what's the belief system? Like Christianity, we know is about Jesus, and Catholicism is about well, Catholicism. But <laughs> um, but what is what is the basis of that religion? So Sikhism is now, or Sikhi is uh, at least a few hundred years old, mm -hmm. and. It was born out of the idea that there is one creator, mm -hmm. uh, the giver of all, and we believe we're deeply rooted in a commitment to social justice, to community mm -hmm. service, to mm -hmm. equity and to equality, to selfless giving to others. Like It is literally built into the tenets of our faith that we are to, that every drop in the ocean matters. And so how we if we are if we are free but others are not, mm -hmm. then we are not free as oh, a collective. I love, I love it. And we, we deeply believe in serving the community and we believe in justice. And so these values uh, across genders, across cultures and mm -hmm. more. And so, you know, I'm really inspired by my faith mm -hmm. and it, it's, it doesn't surprise me that I'm doing the work that I do. Mm -hmm. I often will just say that I have warrior blood running through my veins. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean that quite literally because I think of my ancestors mm -hmm. and all that they experienced in colonized India and all of the, the justice work that my people have done over centuries. Mm -hmm that I'm now doing, uh, I'm really, I'm really proud of coming from my faith. And I'm also very influenced by our experiences. When I say experiences, I mean, both back at home in India, mm -hmm. but also I was mentioning earlier, like my parents as immigrants, yes. when they came to Canada, as a member of the Sikh faith, we are, uh, requested to not cut our hair mm -hmm. across genders and, we're invited to wrap our hair in scarves and turbans. Mm -hmm. And and the, the reason for keeping our hair is it's the, it was given to us by the divine. And so why would we cut it? But also as a way to differentiate ourselves from Hindus and Muslims back in the day, like we're talking centuries ago in India, uh -huh. if we were to keep our hair and then wrap it in, in scarves and turbans, we would, you could see visibly that this person is right. a sick. Yep. So my father, wears a, is, he's 6'3", although he's now in his 80s, so he's shrinking. Uh, he wears a either bright red or maroon turban. Nice. And, when, and my mom um, has very long, unshorn hair. And when they came to Canada in the early 70s, you can imagine that they experienced like relentless racism because they stood out. Yeah. But... I had the same experience growing up myself and it was watching my parents mm -hmm. having my own experiences with hate and oppression that really pushed me to, to not only, well, I felt really bad about who I was firstly. Mm, right. It took me a lot. It took me forever to get, uh, get through that. And I'm still journeying. Mm. And then the second thing I had a fire in me that despite feeling like, unworthy and mm -hmm. frankly just shitty about who I am mm -hmm. 
I, I could feel the spark in me that mm-hmm. I, that said to me, you are better than how you are being treated and you should gun for the stars. Like you should reach for the stars and help others to feel like they can access their voices too. And so my, my pain has turned into my passion. Right. Definitely. And yeah, there's so much richness there in what you just said. So, so you had felt, and, and what was, was it societal? Was it societal? Just kind of just a constant reflection of you're not, you're not like us or you're, you're not one of us or, or, or was it more of an internal, deeper. I, uh, like an internal where I look in the mirror and I don't, I look around me and I don't yeah. see people that look like me. So I yeah. must not be, I, I'm just curious. Was it, was it kind yeah. of, was it your, and maybe it's a combination of both, but was it an external or an internal kind of feeling less than, and when I say yeah. feeling less than obviously it's internal, yeah. but was the reflection coming externally or was it something that you were just looking around thinking I'm not like these people? Yeah. I think it's a rare day that when we are young as children, we're born with inherent beliefs about our unworthiness. I mm-hmm. think it, everything comes externally. Right. And, and we, I shouldn't say everything because we know that increasingly that trauma can be inherited genetically. I gonna, yeah, so I, I, I can't say everything. It's genetic. Yes. Yeah. So, so I'm with you on that. And yeah. we know around mental health and yeah, yeah. physical health, spiritual health. So, so I'm not confused about that. I, for me, it was very much rooted in an external experience, plus whatever came uh, to me through my genetics, where I am a survivor of relentless childhood bullying mm -hmm. uh, and uh, racist childhood bullying in particular. And it went on for years. Mm. And when I say relentless, like it was organized, it was structured, like there were, there was the I hate Rithu group, like it, it was... It went on for year after year after year in a very uh, prime developmental stage right. for me in my life. Right. And and we're talking like back now, Matt, like we're talking like late 80s, mm-hmm. early 90s, mm-hmm. when no one was really talking about this right. type of thing. Or if we talked about bullying, it certainly wasn't broadly discussed. And, and really, no one was talking about racist bullying back then. Right. And I... I didn't tell anyone about it. Like I I have a feeling now I reflect on it. I think that my teachers, they must've had an idea because I did say things here and there, Mm -hmm. but it, it was largely unchecked. I I didn't really talk about it at home because my parents had their own experiences with society and what Mm -hmm. they were going through in their own respective workplaces. And then on top of that, so I had that by day at school, I was being tormented for years. And then I was experiencing all kinds of culture clashes at home with my parents Mm -hmm. as they, as new immigrants to the country, were trying to straddle this new culture and trying to reconcile like how Canadian slash embodying embodying of white anglo eurocentric ways should we invite our children to be right while no no that's too much don't you dare talk to us like the white kids do as if we're gonna let you talk to us like white kids talk to their parents as if that's happening right to no no go out and ex- embrace white canadiana to no no you don't now get back here and become right. more punjabi and embrace your sick faith and yada yada so i uh, to say I was confused yeah, growing up what I was picking as up, a child yeah. or troubled, like yeah. it, it's, t- and how about this, Matt? Like mm-hmm. I've had years of therapy and mm-hmm. only now recently can I actually say what I'm about to say to you? 
Like, and I've been talking of teaching about mindfulness and yoga and self-development and empowerment and cultural awareness. I've been doing this for years. And it is, it is only now that I'm able to say what I'm about to say to you, which is that I had a really troubled childhood. Right. I was a troubled kid. Right. I, 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 I I wasn't able to access that, be able to say that until now. But it's, but as I'm writing my second book Mm -hmm. and I'm digging into it, I'm like, I can accept that. I, it's Mm -hmm. part of my story. Right. And first of all, I just, I honor that you just, your transparency and your realness, I truly honor it. I mean, to me, you're, it, uh, I, I can empathize through my own experience with your pain, but ultimately it's not near, you know, whatever I experienced as a kid is not n- near as traumatic emotionally um, as what you experienced. So, so I, I'm truly sorry that you had to experience that. Uh, and, and I also can see how that has given you so much strength, inner strength, right? And courage to do what you do. I mean, it's kind of like it's uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? So you, you experienced it and it was horrific. And, and that also was the catalyst for this great passion that's welled up inside you to almost make yeah. you like laser-like focused in the world now on making sure that other people don't feel the suffering and the, and the, the, and I'm, I don't mean to put words in your mouth here, but the suffering and the, the, the pain, the, pain, the loneliness that you felt. Yeah. And, and I would imagine if I'm guessing you would do about anything to have somebody else not experience what you experienced. Oh, hells yes. Like I would right. say it's my mission in life. Like I, I, I often will say I, I do a lot of keynote speeches uh-huh. and speaking on stages. Well, it used to be physical stages, although increasingly more coming up yeah, yeah, now that the world right. feels like it's opening up. The um, not on my watch yep. will I allow our yes. world to continue to function the way it is because I have personal, like firsthand knowledge. Right of what it feels like to experience tremendous loneliness and alienation and just feel like unworthy. And so I think to myself, and and, and by the way, and by the way, this happens like Matt, when we think about it, if you take a step back, if I take a step back and I think about the kids who bullied me back in the day or the people who are mean to me when I'm out and about now, because let's be real, bullies. People are still mean to you? <laughs> I, I honestly have, as hard as it is for me to believe, just because I did not grow up in that setting, it, it's super hard for me to believe that people in this day and time are still mean. Is that, and you're telling me that they are. I mean, and- Oh my God. Well, okay. So, I mean, we could take several steps back and say that every single one of us has darkness within of course, us. Of course. And, yes. and. And, and because no one is perfect. But if you don't have anything nice to say, then (laughs) keep it to yourself. So like, I mean, when I'm still experiencing racism, like, well, every, of course, because every single system we have in society globally is entrenched in forms of oppression. Racism is systemic. Sexism is uh, systemic. We can talk, I'm cisgender and I'm hetero, but we can talk about how homophobia, transphobia, et cetera, forms of supremacy and oppression are That's embedded existed. everywhere. Right. Yeah. That's the human everywhere. Right. Yep. But on top of that, I would say that people are frustrated, angry, upset, and and then the brain being wired the way it is for us to gravitate towards likeness or people who our brain has been conditioned to think mm-hmm. are better and worthy and more deserving of respect, we treat better. And so as a woman, as a woman of color navigating the world, 
I experience all kinds of hateful, meanful behavior. Now, it doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen. And and I would say sometimes people will listen to me speak and they'll say, well, how do you know it was because of racism? How do you know it was because of sexism? Like mm-hmm. maybe the person's just, a, you know, a, I was going to swear, a, a jerk. <laughs> let's just say a jerk. Let's say a jerk. Back, right. A meanie. Or let's right. go back to what my mom used to say. Meanie. What if they're just a, a meanie? Meanie. Yeah. meanie. And so here's the thing. It doesn't matter. The point is they're, they're mistreating us. And when, when we are mistreated, it can hurt our feelings. But here's the thing that I've learned about meanies. Uh, my experience has shown me that when someone is hating on us, mm-hmm. they hate themselves right. more than they hate us. Right. Yep. Because when we carry all that hate and negativity within mm-hmm. us, it comes from a place of us lacking self-love. Right. When we love ourselves and we are honoring ourselves, we're more anchored and rooted and grounded. We're more mindful. Mm-hmm. We check how we speak. We self-modulate, self-regulate, self-monitor more. We're, we're careful about how we treat treat others. And so, but when we're filled with anger and rage and and we hate ourselves and we're self-flogging, like when we're being mean to ourselves, we often take that out on others. Yeah, sure. So I, I'm very mindful of how these systems are happening at the, at all at once. And I, I'm grateful that I don't love what happened to me. In fact, I, 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 it hurts me. I even, mm-hmm. even today as we've been talking about my childhood experiences, like I can feel the emotion in my mm-hmm. body because I try as much as possible to live in an embodied way. I can feel the emotion surging in me. And so I still carry some of the trauma with me. And I would say to you, I am living a far more deep and meaningful and mindful life because of it, because I didn't have a choice right. in, order to, in order to survive and to thrive, because I always knew that despite the injustice happening to me, that something in me deserved more and right. deserved better, mm-hmm. that to unleash that better. I was going to have to do my healing work. And I think all that healing stuff that I do that is actually effing exhausting, let's be real. <laughs> yes. It has it served me. It serves right. me and has served me. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I heard something the other day. Um, hurt people hurt people, right? Oh yeah. Hells right? yeah. So, I love that. And, yes. And so I, I, I'm like, yeah, that's right. Cause I know in my, when I'm hurting myself, typically that's when I have, you know, yell at the kids or have an argument with my wife or kick the dog or something, you know, something mean, right. When I'm, Oh my God, Matt, you should see my Uber uh, <laughs> score. It is like, I'm sure you're like, she seems so lovely. And then yeah, you'll you see my Uber so score. Lovely. I'm horrified. What? Oh, I don't get, I don't get that at all. You're funny. You're charming. You're sweet. You're kind. That's why I was like, people are mean to you. How could people be mean to you? You're like, no, because we're, I mean, again, let's go back to, we all hold darkness within. When I am late for something, I am like, not, I'm like, you know, I get kind of like bitchy and micromanagey and, you know, I'm a bit of a control freak. Yeah. And then I'm like trying to micromanage the Uber driver. And then like, and then I'm like, as I'm doing it, I'm trying to be charming and nice about it. But I'm like, oh, oh my goodness, you're still trying to do it. And I, I even did a test for a while. Like I was like, for like a, like a month, I was like to, to drive up my Uber score. I was like, okay, you know what, Ritu? Just be really nice and sweet and, and, and like, charming every time you're in the the taking an uber ride 
didn't really help my score. So I just, yeah. <laughs> you were like, well, if I'm not going to get any benefit at all, then I'm just going to go back to being me. <laughs> right? Yeah, because I was just going to go back to being cranky as F. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, uh, Bob Golf, who I like listening to. I like reading some of his books. Um, he talked about that he was super impatient. He was a lawyer. He was super impatient. And so for, you know, he's just a character, but he would carry, he carried an empty pail like an empty bucket everywhere he went. He just carried it with him for like a month. And, and he did that because it would remind him that he would need to fill that up with patience because he was so impatient all the time. So he would just carry the bucket to remind himself, okay, I need to be patient. I need to be patient. And I was just like, when you were saying that, I was like, yeah, yeah, patience. Is I love a, that. Patience is a good thing. Patience is a virtue. And I think we all struggle with it depending on what we're, you know, most of us struggle with it. It's like, yeah, when you want something right. in the society we're in, it's so instant gratification. It's like, my cable's been cut off for, not that I have cable anymore, but my cable's been, my internet's been down right. for five minutes or why is it so slow or right? right? We just naturally kind of get irritated. Yeah. So yes, I, but yes, you do seem so very lovely and charming that it was hard for me to imagine. I'm not going to imagine you. I'm going to hold you in the light. I'm going to hold you in the space of just that you are always kind and always gracious, right? That's what I'm going to hold. Oh my heavens. Let's not do that. Cause, <laughs> cause I would say, and actually, yes. <clears throat> One of my greatest life lessons has been, uh, and I write a lot about this in my first book, The Authenticity Principle, mm -hmm. and I'm talking about it in my second book now as well as I, as I pen that, that from a young age, I learned in order to shield myself from mm -hmm. judgment and bias, mm -hmm. that if I curated a perfect picture of who I am, Mm -hmm. that people would like me more. Oh, right. So yep. if I spoke perfectly yep. and yep. I dressed perfectly and I held myself out to be only a nice, well-rounded, sweet, kind human being, right. people would like me more. And, you know, I, I think that creating these curated images of perfection, really, it's a, it's a fool's game because mm -hmm. what I eventually realized over time is that the amount of pressure I was putting on myself to pursue perfection, it was actually harming me and hurting me. Right. But also I now know with the benefit of feedback from people who I'd worked with mm -hmm. and, and from my friends, et cetera, it was like, no, it, first of all, they could see through it right. or it made me intimidating or inaccessible. And, yeah. and in fact, in my commitment to live more of an authentic life and be really candid about who I am, I have found that the more I talk about being a cranky as F, grumpy, bitchy, disorganized, stressed mm -hmm. out, overwhelmed, broken hearted, insecure human being that I actually, more people are gra gravitate to me. They like me more. I like right. them more because the more I talk about how like, there are days where I like, I don't know if I'm coming or going and like mm -hmm. life is so hard sometimes mm -hmm. and my life is far from perfect. And in fact, sometimes I want to escape my life. And the more I talk like this, people are like, yeah, me too. Right, and then exactly. it's like, you create these like far more meaningful relationships. And, and in fact, um, the title of my first book is called the authenticity principle. And this is the authenticity principle, which is that the more I know who I am and I embrace who I am and I be who I am mm -hmm. and I share the good, the bad, and more importantly, the ugly with everyone, mm -hmm. you'll be invited to do this back with me. And this is how we create these meaningful relationships. And so I have found that actually this, this, armor of perfection has hurt me. Whereas me admitting like how, hurt and flawed and wounded I am and how, and how life is a struggle for me has actually been a gift. 
Mm-hmm. And that's why I find you so charming because it is, <laughs> I, I, I it literally, because it is that, that, that transparency, that authenticity that I, that I agree with that, that makes you very likable and, and very relatable. Oh, oh, wow. Can you have me back? Like, like, honestly, it's like therapy. We should call the podcast <laughs> therapy with Matt. Therapy with Matt. I love it. I love it. TWM therapy <laughs> with Matt. Um, well, but, it, but I, I, you know, I, I, I love hearing people's true feelings and their true stories and and what makes them them because I think we all have that. And I know I, probably I, I enjoy it so much because I've struggled. To, I mean, this is my biggest struggle, right? I, I had this whole persona as being a business What is person. your biggest struggle? Yes. Um, Tell it, me what it, your biggest struggle is. My, my biggest struggle is asking truly for help because I suck at that. Yeah. Um, and then I think, and I'm, and I'm learning to, I'm currently learning to embrace the authenticity in me, meaning it's okay to let my hair grow out. It's okay to not uh, win at everything. Um, and when I say win at everything business primarily, right. It's, it's okay. It's okay to not know it's okay to fail. And I'm learning that the hard way. It wasn't like I wanted to learn these lessons, right. It's like I've had businesses fail lately because of COVID and it's just like all of a sudden I'm like, okay, that's a pretty big failure. I mean, if you look at it externally, it's like, okay, this thing went down and there's lots of people involved and, 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 but it's made me a lot more, I'm learning that it's made me a lot more calm and a lot more confident in my ability just to be me, right? Without needing external approval or out need, you know, and it's not that I don't love to hear compliments. Yeah, it's yeah. nice to hear stuff, but it, but it's this, this post COVID thing for me has been kind of the pruning or the stripping away of stuff that really didn't matter. I mean, it really, yeah, I hear you. you know, it really, yes. it, it was all fake anyway. It was all just, it was what yeah. you're talking about. I was trying, I had this facade of everything I touch turns to gold. And, you know, if you partner with me, things are going to go well and da, 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 da. And, and I just kind of had that, that vibe going on. And then through this thing, it was like, nothing was going well. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, who am I in this? And what I've been actually, to your point, what I've been shocked in a good way about is how supportive people were in my failure. Like, like people that I hadn't spoken to for a while started, you know, would text me or give me a message or whatever. And it was, I had people literally record videos and send me videos and say, this doesn't define you. You're going to, you're going to, this is just a blip in the radar for you. You've done great things in the past. You'll do great things in the future. Don't let this, you know, suck you in. And I was just like, wow, I've had overwhelming support in something that I just wanted to hide from in the beginning. Right. It was like when a business fails, it's like, oh gosh, I don't want to be involved. Uh, or I did, that's not what I wanted for anyone. So, so that's why I find, I guess this, so this conversation so intriguing is because I think most people are truly just afraid to be themselves. I think yeah. most people are truly yeah. afraid. That- yeah. I, I, I love so much of what you have said. And so I'm going to say back to you, Matt, there's so much I want to say to you and go, there's, you've given me so much. I want to take over this You're podcast and interview you. <laughs> You're welcome. Amazing. So, um, so, so two things. Yes. Quickly. Yes. So much of what you have just shared resonates with me personally as well, because mm-hmm. during this difficult time as a business person, as yeah. an entrepreneur, as a leader, I too have been experiencing. And, and for those just listening and not who can't see me, I'm, I'm saying failure and I'm using air quotes, quotation, yeah, using air quotes, air quotes. because I'm using air quotes because I, I think we need, to, it would be helpful for us to, reframe how we look at failure. So, so I wanted to mention that, Uh but I can relate Matt because I have my my own similar version of that happening. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing I wanted to say is, 
and this is going to be like technical, but I'm going to do it anyways. I want to introduce, uh, I want to tell you about this framework. Mm -hmm. I, I talk about my first book because so much of what you have just said and for people listening today, I think this framework that I'm going to talk to you about called the three selves can really help to deepen your understanding of how to live and work and lead more authentically. Mm -hmm. And it speaks directly to what it is that you've been talking mm -hmm. about and I've been sharing. So in my book, The Authenticity Principle, I introduce a framework called the three selves, which is all about how it is that we can live, work and lead more authentically. Mm -hmm. And it's a continuum. There are, not surprisingly, three selves. Uh, on one end of the continuum, oh, and let me take a step back. We all have each of the three selves. Right. The question mm -hmm. is, what are you doing? What's happening for you? So on one end of the continuum, in what I call the zone of empowerment, we have the authentic self. Mm -hmm. The authentic self is the most important self. It's the best self because it's the core reflection of who we are. Right. Your authentic self is a self where if I said to you, if there were no negative consequences for your behaviors, mm -hmm. how would you show up? How would you talk? What would you wear? What would you say? Who would you love? Who would you tell F off to? And so much more. Mm -hmm. It's a good, bad, and ugly of who we are, but it feels the best because right. it's a core essence. Yep. So, so as much as possible, we are trying to live as authentically as we can mm -hmm. in our, as our authentic self. On the other side of the continuum, mm -hmm. we have what I call the performing self. Mm -hmm. And so you and I have been talking a lot about the performing right. self. Yep. The performing self, I use the word performing, not like high performance, oh, no. but like Yep. Life is a stage and we are actors acting, on a stage. Right. Yeah, acting, putting out a curated, masked, This is what I want altered, you to see, right? Yeah. And showing up as our, and we do it, by the way, not because we want to, but because we don't feel, we feel like we don't have a choice. We feel unsafe. But to change a mask. Yeah. yeah. We feel judged. Mm -hmm. And in fact, all of my work and research in this space says that it's the fear of judgment and bias, mm -hmm. hate coming our way that causes us to perform. Right. And of course, it'll come as no surprise. Of course, when we are performing in fear of bias, judgment, it has an adverse impact on our mental health, our physical health, our spiritual health. Definitely, It's exhausting, like it's humiliating. It, mm -hmm. It's in the zone of disempowerment. It, it's uh, exclusionary and so much more. Mm -hmm. And so our objective is to like push out of the performing self as much as possible. And I talk about ways about how to make this happen online. You can check it out. But in the middle of the, the authentic self and the performing self is what I call the adapted self. And we've never really talked about the adapted self in this way before. And it's a really, really important self because your adapted self, when you explore it, what you'll realize is, wow, I'm living more authentically than I thought I was. Secondly, I have more choice and control over how I behave than I thought I did. And thirdly, it's a really safe place to stay as we learn how to live more authentically. Mm -hmm. So your adapted self is a self that says, okay, I, I hear you, Ritu. I got to stop performing. I'm going to push out of performing. But I can't be authentic 100% of the time because <laughs> I want to keep my job. Right. right. I don't want to go to jail. Right. I want to right. Right. keep my children and my spouse. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I want to like, I have to live in, in, in communities yeah, and yeah. society. Right, and we right. have mechanisms and social right. control. No one can be authentic. I 100 should not of the time. kill others. I should not kill. Yeah, others. exactly. I should not kill exactly. others. <laughs> right. You got it. You got it. That's or tell my, my leader to F off, like, right, right. which is what I want to do all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So your adaptive self is a self that willingly, happily chooses to adapt your behavior 
to meet your needs and the needs of others. Mm -hmm. So it's a choice. We do it willingly. So it feels good to do. It serves us. It serves others. And it's still a manifestation of our authenticity because it's still a reflection of who we are. So for example, Matt, I mentioned to you uh, pre-show that I cuss like a pirate. My authentic self would be dropping <laughs> F-bombs left, right, and center. Right. My adapted self is like, some of your listeners uh, may not that. like it. It might yeah. like hurt their ears. Right. So I've been like adapting. Now, the second we come off air, I'm going to cuss like a pirate because I'm a pirate. <laughs> but all of us are adapting. Right. Yes, of course. In some way or another, right? right. And we do this all day long. And so the objective after for, for all of us after after we take in this, this framework is to be thinking about, okay, how am I performing and how does it actually harm me? Mm-hmm. And how do I be more adaptive if I'm performing? Mm-hmm. And if you're adapting, how do I live more authentically? Right. And so, and, and by the way, like, I think that this is a really important way of living and being not just in our personal lives, but at work, like for leaders. Yes, definitely. And, and, and one thing I'll say about leaders, authenticity is a privilege. When we're a leader, or we have heightened um, forms of supremacy in society, like gender supremacy or class-based or race-based, whatever. When when we have a higher rank in the in the work environment, if we're not careful, our authenticity becomes the behavioral yardstick by which performance gets measured. Right. Which is why, as leaders, we need to be more adaptive rather than expecting everyone conform or perform and become our authenticity. And so as leaders, we need to spend more time in our adapted selves, which most leaders don't do. So I just, I just wanted to offer that up based on all yeah. of what you've been sharing, that, that so, man, so many of us feel pressure to be our performing selves as opposed to flowing between our authentic and adapted self. I love it. I love it. I love the framework and it makes sense. So, and, and I find that, yes, that's exactly, you know, I've been battling these between these authentic and the performing self and, and I'm leaning more and more towards the authentic self. So (laughs) typically I'm less, well, I've been experiencing less drama and trauma and everything else from the external world because I'm less conflicted inside, right? That, you know, your external world is a reflection of your internal world. So my, my external world, even though I could look at it and say, man, there's a lot of shit out here that's not going well, but, but it's actually not that it's not, it's just not going the way I want it to. It's not that it's not, not that it's being mean to me. It's not that it's torturing me like it was when I was performing, when I was performing, it was hard hard as I'll cuss for you. It was hard as shit, but now, but now, but, but now that I'm kind of like, well, it is what it is. Right. When, when I'm talking to somebody, it's like, well, it is what it is. Here's where it's at. And then, and then it's almost like there's no reactivity for them because I'm not reactive. It's like, Oh, you can do with it what you choose, but it's no longer up to me. What is happening? It's just happening. Right. It's just the way things shook out. You know, I, 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 so that so resonates with me. And I think about how, I think a lot of us, when shit is happening to us in our lives, Mm -hmm. we rail against it. Like we fight it. Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. And like you, I have some really difficult stuff happening in my life right now in multiple spheres. And I have been railing and fighting it, even though I know that that doesn't serve me, but I'm a human being and I'm on the journey and I'm just like trying to do my best. And, you know, I think a lot of times we as human beings forget that we're animals. Like at the end of the day, (laughs) we are animals right? because like we have iPhones and we have like this, this podcasting platform and like you have fancy headphones and a mic and whatever. And we forget we're animals. And like, I know this because I'm studying, um, 
trauma deeply to help uh-huh. me heal from my own experiences, but also so much of what I teach is rooted in in what I'm uh, what we're talking about right now about fear and and what lives in our bodies. As as animals, our nervous systems control everything we do. We are constantly clocking the environment right. for threat stimuli, mm-hmm. and so whatever it is that's going to cause us to feel fear will activate us, and that could be a bear attacking us in a forest, or it could be a business failing or COVID interrupting, for example, my business world where I used to speak in person and suddenly I'm not on stages anymore or anything that causes us to feel a shift or threat to our stability and security, our nervous system will view as an attack. And, and that can be really unstabilizing or destabilizing at a moment in time in our society that is already very destabilized. And so for a lot of us in this moment, we just are more easily activated and triggered. And I think that the most important thing that I am learning in this moment is to really dig deep into, am I going to die? No. Right. Am I really okay? Yes. Is everything going to be okay? Yes, it is. Of course, it's going to be okay. And instead of like falling uh, or fighting what's happening and reframing everything as an experience, as a learning lesson or a gift, it's like to me repeatedly, I'm saying to myself, okay, like what is the nugget? What is the kernel? What is the message? What is the gift that's being given to me here? And by the way, and this is really important because I'm very against this. I'm very, despite seeming like I'm a really lovely human being, I'm very anti-toxic positivity. Like I'm not one of those people. I used to be where it's like, everything is amazing. And everyone like, (laughs) just focus on the good and the positive because everything is like so good. And like, don't be negative. you do it so well. You do the voice inflections and everything. You do it so well. Yeah, yeah. Because that used to be me. I know. remember the performing self written the scene was like all about like, like people called me sunshine. Like it's like one of my nicknames. It's like, because I was so sunshine. Now they probably call me cranky cow because I'm like so cranky all the time. It's like, I, I, I'm not saying that we don't honor the negative feelings because we absolutely should honor them. And let me tell you, I over honor them sometimes because all I'm doing is like cussing and complaining about how cranky I am or cranky I am about things. Right. However, it's like, I'm also about like, how can I reframe this really shitty situation that's happening? Like, what's the mm-hmm. gift? What's the kernel in here to help me? And like, honestly, Matt, when I think back to all of the horrible things that have happened to me in my life, and there's been a lot of horrible stuff. I can say that not that I would have wanted them to happen because no, I wouldn't have a guy. No, thanks. But I made it through. Mm -hmm. I live to tell Mm -hmm. and I'm a better human being now in how I'm living. And so it's like, what's the gift that's being given to us here? Right. And I, and I wonder again, a question I would have is, um, are you more driven to serve because of those things, right? For me, the answer would be yes, absolutely. Like, absolutely. And in fact, let's go back to all of the research in leadership Mm -hmm. in empowerment and health, well-being, life's happiness. We know that there are a few anchors that repeatedly come out of the research around how to live well and be well-adjusted and joyful and Mm -hmm. connected. We know that the quality of the relationships around us Mm -hmm. matter. So 
who we encase ourselves with. And I'm sure guest after guest talks about this with you. Mm-hmm. You're, you're nodding your head. Oh, well, I, this is my favorite part of the show because I get to be around people like you all the time. And so it's like literally... I, I'm, I mean, this show is like therapy for me. You're saying it's therapy for you. I'm like, it's therapy yeah. for me because I'm around people that are in that space. So yes, definitely. It's the yes. people, it's the pe- birds of a feather flock together, but that's yes. literally, that's a real thing. The quality of our relationships. Yeah. And another, another thing we know out of research is knowing what our purpose in life is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because when we have purpose mm-hmm. in our life, we are anchored and we are rooted right. and it's like, I, I kind of envisage it like I am like a rock or like a pillar mm-hmm. and the good things can swirl around me and then the bad things can swirl around me. Like shit will happen. All of it sh- sh- uh, too shall pass. Mm-hmm. However, when we're anchored because we know what our purpose is, right. we're rooted. Mm-hmm. It's like, and it governs everything we do. And so because I know my purpose in life, which is like about creating an inclusive, empowered, authentic world where mm-hmm. as many of us as possible can experience belonging, where I can belong, I can feel beautiful and I can belong mm-hmm. because I know that's my thing. That's my jam. Right. Everything I do flows from it. And so on most days when I'm feeling miserable and I want to escape my life, which is a lot lately, I, I still know that's my purpose mm-hmm. and I still feel d- driven and anchored right. to it. Right. And so I think like people ask me all the time, like, what are some things that I can do to be like living better? And I, I'll, I often will say like, do you know what your purpose is? Right. That's yeah, so definitely. important. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, so we had um, Dan Butner with the Blue Zones was on uh, several months ago. And, you know, he talked specifically about this, that, you know, people that live the longest typically are connected to a community of people that care about them, that they care about, and they have a strong sense of purpose, right? Because they, the community, because in in a lot of society, elders aren't respected anymore or looked to a value. And yet in the communities where people live the longest, it's because as an elder, as somebody who is a hundred years old or in their nineties, people are still coming to them, asking advice and asking for like this sage wisdom, which they, you know, which they have. So they feel so much more purposeful. So, when you're talking about this, totally, it's it's about the community you're in. Do do you feel like that you're needed? Right, everything that's you know, it's either, yes, it's what what's not serving is eliminated. And so, are, do you feel this sense of of I'm living on purpose? You hear all the time about people that live an extra week or an extra you know whatever yeah. until their relatives show up or until they get to say goodbye yeah. to right. And and so there is really this thing of I have a purpose and I'm serving. And I think right now I hear this a lot. Or I and I've I've kind of weaned myself off social media lately just because I, I needed a break. Um, but it was, you know, I saw just a lot of people really struggling with that sense of purpose, especially post, I'm not going to blame it on COVID. I'm, I think COVID was just an accelerator or an, a kind of a, hey, a magnifying glass that said, hey, you already feel kind of crappy about your life. You're just not admitting that you feel crappy about your life. And you're already worried and concerned about all these things. Now you're just going to get to see them more fully. But I think now more than ever, people are leaning into this thing of maybe I don't know what my purpose is and what should I be doing versus just doing, yeah. what, just kind of going with the flow and kind of being on the rat race and the treadmill. Well, and how about this? How about this? Okay, so try this on for size. I, I, <laughs> amazing. So I think COVID for me, and I'm yes. having a bit of an aha as I'm talking to you, yes. has pushed me into a place mm-hmm. where yeah. I am now thinking about mm-hmm. 
not only my purpose, which I think is still the same purpose because it's mm -hmm. still my passion. Like, yes, like definitely. We talked about my pain turned into my passion. Mm -hmm. But how I have been living mm -hmm. in serving my purpose, mm -hmm. COVID has shaken that to its core. Right. And I, like a lot of people in this moment, am like, the way I was living pre-COVID, I absolutely do not want to live like that exactly. going forward. But what are the changes going to be that I'm going to make in my life? What is that going to look like? Mm -hmm how am I going to adjust? And so I personally feel destabilized a little bit right now as uh -huh. well. Like, yes, I know. So, so I'm having a moment where I know what my purpose is, but I don't know how to live out my purpose right. in this new world. Right. And I'm struggling with that. I love it. And, and that is a really uncomfortable, hard place to be, especially because I'm a control freak mm -hmm. and I like control and I'm like, oh, and I like answers and I like to know things. And I'm like, I don't like know all of that right now. And it, it's hard. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. Even as someone who is like teaches a lot of this shit for a living. And I, and I, um, I, I've been in, I'm in it's, that space, been in that space. And for me, it's been about faith. It's made me lean deeper into who is God? How, what is my relationship with God? You know, if this is truly my purpose and it's not working over, I can't serve in this way over here, then what am I supposed, where am I supposed to be serving and what am I supposed to be doing? And so for me, it became this whole, and, and through that, the, the last two, two and a half years, it was, it's become this whole dance literally with God for me, where I'm dancing back and forth with God. And it's kind of like God's, and this is how I'm, this is my simplistic way of looking at it. But basically God's dancing with me and saying, Hey, you need to trust me. You need to trust me. And when you don't trust me, you're going to yeah. suffer. And when you do yeah. trust me, guess what? I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take care of it with you, not from necessarily for me, but it's become this dance and, and I'm still doing the dance because I'll still have stress and anxiety start to rise up, but I've, I've been doing the dance long enough where it's kind of like, okay, it's fine. I'm not going to push the stress and anxiety away necessarily, but I also know that I've just been here so many times that God's just reminding me that it's going to be okay. And that there's a greater, there's a, something greater unfolding. And the more I try to control it, the less fun it's going to be for me. Right. If I'm yeah. trying to control well, it all yeah. the time, it's not, I mean, it's kind of like, then, you know, the outcome, what's the fun of that? It's where's the adventure in always planning my path or knowing exactly where, I mean, it's the, the best times I've had in my life are where I had no clue what was going to happen next. And then it was like, Oh, that was awesome. That was amazing. But so often I'm trying to do what you were talking about, which is kind of performing and trying to control everything. So that's been my yeah. dance anyway. Yeah. I mean, I, I would be the first to say that over the last little while, last few months, I have been praying way more than uh -huh. I normally would. Yep. I've been having way more con conversations with the universe, yeah. with the almighty mm -hmm. and the divine and I, one of the things I've been saying to myself a lot, so I'm a big fan of mantras or uh -huh. affirmations, mm -hmm. not surprisingly, given my Indian yes, of course. faith upbringing. And, uh, which, so which I love I, the Indian people. I've been to India four times. I spent like a month over there in an ashram and asylum. Oh my God, you're about my people. So good. Uh, okay. So I, I'm, I, I, I appreciate the, the sacredness that I experienced in India around God and spirituality. It was just so beautiful because that's not something I'd ever seen in the West was just this. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just like the sacredness all the time around just God and, and life. And it was just, it's just beautiful. So any, any like living like an integrate, it's very integrated yes, into, yeah. like I would say like, it's, 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 it's almost, sometimes it's very hard to describe, yeah. but I can tell you because I straddle two cultures, I right. straddle Canadian mm -hmm. culture and Indian culture. And I'm just mindful, very aware of how different it is. Mm -hmm. So I am, um, one of the things I've been saying to myself a lot lately, I use a lot of affirmations uh -huh. and a lot of, so, or if we were to 
put this into leadership speak, we'd say it's like self-coaching. <laughs> I'm in my head self-coaching. Or, nice. and, and one of the things I've been saying repeatedly is the universe has my back. The universe has my oh, back. Nice. The universe. Yeah. And it has been so affirming and it, it literally causes, I can feel the nervous system start to soothe and, and I can feel mm-hmm. I just myself, the stress start to come down and ease and flow return to my body because I believe in co-creation. Like I mm-hmm. believe right. I need to show up yep. so that the uni can show up mm-hmm. and, and I am showing up, but I also know that I'm a good person and I'm working really hard and I'm in the arena as Brene Brown would say, doing mm-hmm. her work right. and I'm trying to show up and, and the universe has my back. And right. so, and let's go back to what we, we've both been saying around like railing against these experiences. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's the reason there's a gift, there's a message, there's a purpose. Mm-hmm. And even when I feel like, insecure and it takes me back to my childhood feelings of being unworthy and right. and it's all going to be taken away see i knew Ritu that this is just you know it's all going to be taken away it wasn't going to be permanent and you're going to be all alone like the loser you mm-hmm. once were and you know and none, you'll have none of it anymore and you'll be stripped of all your achievements and then who will people think you are and then you know all those negative right. narratives that we bring with us from as our childhood into our adulthood and and even though we do decades of therapy and we think they're gone no, no, there they are. They're, oh, there they are. There they are, everyone, for everyone to see right. or for us to feel. It's like, this is why like, I, healing is a life, lifelong journey and mm-hmm. having faith and whatever one's faith is, right, whatever it is, yes. like you could believe in nature, you could believe in mountains, you could believe in like whatever it is you believe in can really help in these types of moments. I totally, totally agree. You've got to be connected. You got to see the connections. Otherwise, I think it's just a shallow existence. I mean, it's got to be painful. It's got to, or just shallow in some way. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Yes. We're all, we're all connected. We just got to remember it and realize it and then do something with that. Yes. Right. Well, thank you for coming. I did want to talk though uh, briefly about, so you've got books out, you've got the authentic authenticity principle, which you just touched on. Um, But then you also have an ebook. Rise. Well, so I okay. Go ahead. So, I have my uh, my first book is called The Authenticity Principle. Uh-huh. I have a second book coming out okay. in twenty twenty three. So stay tuned for that. I'm working on the manuscript for that now. I have an e workbook called Rise, yes. uh, which is an empowerment e workbook um, mm-hmm. that filled with a lot of what we've talked about today as well. Uh, and on, on my website, RithuBasin.com, there's lots of empowerment-related exercises and tools, videos. Mm-hmm. If you're looking to learn a bit more about equity, diversity, inclusion, you can drop us a line through BasinConsulting.com. But my favorite ways for people to connect mm-hmm. in with me, mm-hmm. message me on Instagram or LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And I always say to people, my response rate is like within 24 hours compared to if you email me. Which Really? Got, yeah. You know, I hate email. I'm I like, do too. In fact, I, I, yeah, that, that's a whole nother. I, I, yes, I do too. I was off for three years, uh, email altogether. I was just like, I'm not going to do it anymore. Yeah. Uh, uh, How did you do three years? I can't even imagine that. So I had an assistant and she yes. filtered all my stuff, but I didn't touch it. And then she retired here about a month ago. And so now I said, you know you what? You're emailing again? You well, hate I, your life? I, no, no, no. Actually, I, what I did was I just didn't put it back on my cell phone. 
And so I only have it on the laptop and I don't take my laptop home. So, so basically it's like, I, I'll spend literally 10, 15 minutes. And actually, it's been kind of fun because most of the traffic and the crap went away because people realized I wasn't responding to email. I mean, yeah, exactly. So now Amazing. it's, it's kind of fun again, but I agree. I don't. So people should message you. Um, you said Instagram and LinkedIn. Is that what you said? Yes, please. Okay, yeah. Perfect. I love it. Well, thank you. So, and we, we do have a Global Happiness Summit coming up in July. Bright Vibe is hosting a Global Happiness Summit. I'd love to have you come on and talk. Uh, we've got about 50 speakers, so that would be really fun. And uh, I'd just, love that. It, it's, we'll, yes. get, we'll get the information over to you. But it's more of this. Like Basically, it was like, we're going to have a Global Happiness Summit because the world needs happiness. The world needs some love. Yes. The world needs a higher vibration right now. So we're just going to say, we're just going to call it happiness, and we're just going to invite people on that are doing what you're doing today, which is being authentic and inspiring people. It's not the fake happiness. It's not like a no. put on a happy face and jump up and down. It's more of the, hey, it's okay to be you and find happiness in being you because you are cool, right? You are, I mean, we all are cool. We're all meant yes. to be here. Otherwise, guess what? We wouldn't be here. Statistically, none of us should be existing right now. Statistically, we, we don't exist. Yes. Yeah, so, so I have, I have a full theory on happiness. I, I'm yes. so excited okay. about this. Yes. So definitely have me at your global uh, happiness summit. And for people listening, if you're like, what is her theory on happiness? Well, you're going to have to attend the summit <laughs> to hear I what my it. theory on happiness is because it's I a good it. one. I love it. I love it. Well, I will look forward to it. I'll look forward to hearing it when we have the happiness, which is a little over a month away. So we're super excited about it. So well, again, thank you for coming on the show today. It was a pleasure meeting you. This is the first time we met, and I'm sure we'll be visiting a lot more. And we'd love to know more about your work. So as as don't wait for us to reach out. If you've got stuff coming up and you're like, hey, I want to come on and I want to get that out. Amazing. And I want to start, start talking about that. So as things evolve, we'd love to be a part of your journey and, and hear kind of how things are are evolving for you. So, um, so again, love the conversation today, and thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Bless, Matt. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of the Bright Vibe podcast. For more information, go to brightvibe.com. That's B-R-I-T-E, vibe, V-I-B-E.com. Thank you for listening.